0: This is Keith. I'm thinking right now about some social issues. We're gonna tackle a series of social topics all under this sort of LGBT category. And this is gonna get progressively more difficult, but I wanna try and find a philosophical through line through how I'm approaching these questions. I'm basing today's discussion on this website quiz called iSideWith.com. I am ascertaining my own politics and how leftist I am, how centrist I am, how right-wing I might be. I don't suspect that I'm right-wing whatsoever, but some of these questions do present themselves as a very black-and-white topic to many people. A lot of people I know put me on the other side of it because of how I approach these questions with a little more nuance. Well, that's not maybe fair. I approach them with a different rubric. And I think we'll see what I mean by that as I go. To start off nice and simple, this first question is, do you support the legalization of same-sex marriage? My answer is yes, it's a very easy question. It's something that I've always believed in. I believed in it with varying degrees of intensity throughout my life. Um, It's always, gay rights have always been on my mind having close friends who were gay since I was a kid. And it just seemed obvious that gay people were people who deserved equality. But I'll say now my thesis here is that I don't fundamentally accept the concept of gay rights, which sounds to me like the right to be gay, which is kind of ridiculous sounding to me. I mean, you're gay, the end. You don't have to be given a right, you know? It's like the right to be left-handed. And to me, it's like, okay, well, left-handed people were persecuted at some point as witches or warlocks or whatever. So there is always this sense of persecution or discrimination involved with difference and minority status, and that is really a problem. That's the fundamental problem of the left, that we see it in that prism, that if you're being discriminated against or if you're having a tough go of it in life, it's because of your minority status. And it's an interesting, rather uh, valid, way of looking at things, but I think there are a lot of holes in that logic, and that's what I'm going to explore here. So here, this is really a marriage rights issue, and in my opinion, marriage rights need to be extended to all cogent adults. Cogents and uh how do i want to put it uh consenting adults of course marriage rights have their limits i don't want to see kids married i don't want to see adults marrying kids so the sense of rights it's really a topic of marriage and gay people are people they're adult people and they should be allowed to marry other people that consent to marry them I kind of see this conservative side of like marriage as this like traditional institution But that institution is something I'm not interested in whatsoever. I mean, I'm I'm not married I'm not even that interested in marriage as an institution uh, But I can appreciate that it functions in society as a sort of official status of Maybe child rearing or just pairing off coupling It has its place and I would do it if um if the situation arose. But to me, it's about you know sharing a life with somebody, raising a family together, this kind of stuff. Whether or not you call it marriage is a bit beside the point to me. And in the past, I've even looked at it like, well, if gay people can't get married, why should I get married? And I've also thought of it like, why do gay people even want to get married? It's such a traditionalist thing to do. Isn't there something kind of cool and you know transgressive about avoiding the topic altogether. But of course there come actual rights and uh, benefits with marriage, tax codes, visitation rights, um, and such things. Society, the way we've structured it, sort of flows more fluidly when people couple up officially. And that needs to be extended to whomever it can Within reasonable limits, and again, I don't think it's reasonable to marry a car because a car doesn't have human rights I don't think it's reasonable to marry a ten year old because a ten year old is not um, cogent and mature enough to to take on that responsibility and that you know that commitment but two gay people certainly have this ability to pair off together, and fundamentally they are able to love each other, and I think that marriage based on love is a very good premise. Um, It makes a lot of sense to me, of course, as a millennial. But, you know, it used to be different. People used to get married based on property or family ties, you know, uh, lineage, uh, you know, the crown and royal families and all this. So marriage has a long, strange history you know, ownership of a woman passed from the father to the groom. There's all these weird, you know, aspects of marriage that we're probably beyond at this point, And it makes me question the institution, but it's morphed. And now the institution represents, you know, lifelong love and partnership, essentially. And any two people that are able to do that should be allowed to get married. We also have, like, marriages of convenience, green card marriages, and... More power to these people too, you know, I don't really see a big problem with this. It's a bit exploitative of a system, but uh, whatever, you know, like let's scrutinize that before we scrutinize gay people getting married. I'm really happy that gay marriage is uh, the law of the land in the U.S. It was something I watched unfold through my life uh, from the 90s onward, and it was exciting when it happened so i think i've covered that point um, should gay couples have the same adoption rights as straight couples so once a gay couple is married should they have the same adoption rights now i like this because it's not saying gay rights it's saying adoption rights who has the right to adopt and i think that's phrased correctly my answer here again is yes and i don't have to think much about it at all there is a counterargument i've heard put forward I actually will reference Jordan Peterson here because, you know, in general, when I'm doing these um, meanderings, I'm gonna try to avoid referencing other thinkers, but Jordan Peterson really did say this very nicely, and I admire how he said it because he did recognize this slight conservative bent he has, not conservative per se, but traditionalist. He said that it's never really been tried historically for gay people to have families. It's always been, you know, subversive and aside from a family, you know, on the side. Uh, And Peterson makes points about the differences between the genders, which I agree with. I think men and women are different. And I think that children benefit from having a mother and a father because of those differences. Generally speaking, I know this is general, and obviously there are many exceptions, there are masculine women, there are feminine men, but in general, I think that most of us benefit from having a role model of each gender and to see how genders interact with each other. Obviously it can go bad, a lot of us have bad role models, and of course, people from single-parent households can, you know, grow up very well-adjusted, even you know, parent, or children with no parents can make it. You know, it's not like these are hard and fast rules because I think ultimately humans are adaptable and children grow up in a myriad of ways, all of which can lead to a good life. But as a general rule that Peterson makes, I think it's valid to say that a man and a woman raising a child or two or three together is probably the most beneficial from a psychological development point of view, to see your parents as different genders interacting, loving, and raising you. I think that's worth something, but what he says is that it's totally worth considering and experimenting in society with this alternative family structure, which we're seeing now develop. It's not brand new, it's been going on maybe for 80 years or so, you know, communes and you know, it's not so radical to have um, family structures uh, that aren't simply one man, one woman, one child. But I think it's, I think the point is that in my view, two men or two women definitely have the capacity to love a child and raise that child well. And even if you are two men, you still have different personalities that a child can witness and learn from and model themselves after. Peterson's other point is that, you know, we're all flawed. We're very flawed. But if you can have two people that are flawed, you might make one competent person together. And that's important. And I think that's why there are statistically more problems arising through single parent homes. But yeah, and it's also, you know, why it's harder to be a single parent. You know it takes we need help. Things take um, energy that not one person necessarily has. All this to say that I definitely support the adoption rights of of gay couples and that they should be the same as straight couples. There's a little more nuance to this question in this other stances category yes as long as they pass the same background checks as straight couples and i like that because again this is adoption rights it's not identity rights it's not that you get to adopt just because you're one thing or the other it's that you have to prove that you're a functioning and effective parent whether or not you know no matter how you have sex this is irrelevant it's how you handle adversity how you work as a team how you how financially secure you are, how emotionally secure you are. These are the important questions, and this is a, I'm imagining what a background check involves when you're trying to adopt a, a child. Um, just to read you these other options. No, and gay couples should not be able to adopt children. I disagree, I think that's a, a, a kind of silly perspective. I don't see any reason why, why not. No, and I believe a mother and father family structure is best for the child. Right, so this is the thing. A mother-father family structure might be the best for the child, but you don't have to negate that in order to support adoptions with gay couples. You can recognize that perhaps a biological mother and biological father are the best option, ideal option. But, you know, Biological mother and stepfather can work. Um, You know, adoptive mother and father can work with neither being biological. And what if, you know, it's the biological father of the gay couple with a female friend or surrogate and then the husband? All of these are totally worth trying is the point here. And we have no reason and no hard evidence to doubt it. Okay, so let's get a little harder here. Um, This next question is not about, quote, gay rights. And I do put that in quotes on purpose because I, I don't like this term. And I also, I'll tell you now, I don't really like this idea of an LGBT community. The reason I'm saying that is not to be provocative or, you know, incendiary here. It's that... This group, this supposed group, is not a group. you know, like lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and now transgenders, and then queer and questioning and uh, however other whatever whatever other letters are added to this, you know, uh, awkward phrasing. This is all just an umbrella concept of persecution or some discrimination perceived or otherwise. And I'm not buying it because I think that fundamentally, these groups, insofar as they are coherent groups, have different interests and different needs. The gay community, of which I'm familiar with a lot of gay friends, might have uh, a cohesive through line because they're all men who went through the AIDS epidemic and scare, They, you know, have been pretty united to fight for gay marriage. They party a lot in a similar way. They have similar sex drives and interests. Of course, this is not true across the board. There are plenty of gay men that don't like to party, that have less sex, that want relationships more than sex. This is all true. But fundamentally speaking, we're talking about a male sex drive attracted to other males. Now, that is one specific thing. And it has almost nothing to do with the trans... Quote, community, which has completely different interests, you know, of which bathroom to use or which kind of gender reassignment surgery, uh, you know, rights or like how, how, at what age to start taking hormones. Like these are completely different in terms of political activism and interests. They're not even related. They're just not related. You can be a trans person that identifies as heterosexual. You can be a woman that identifies as a gay man, but you're not gonna be the same kind of gay man as this, let's say, stereotypical gay community. Now, I'm not trying to have a go at anybody. I don't wanna slag off anyone. I respect and, well, I'm not gonna say that. Respect has to be earned. I can appreciate that all individuals deserve human rights. Human rights should go across the board. So everyone should have the right to use a public restroom, for instance. Everyone should have the right to pursue happiness. But look at this question. Should transgender athletes be allowed to compete in athletic events? Now, this is somehow an LGBT community question, but I want to point out how different it is than the previous questions about marriage and adoption. The question here is one of grouping, right? Athletic events are not important in the grand social way that marriage and adoption are important. In the end, it's it's games, right? And games are organized by governing bodies like the Olympics or like the NBA or the World Cup, right? So these governing bodies have rules. They have rules like, you know, no performance enhancing drugs or no more than this many players on the field at one time. They have different rules, right? And there's like all sorts of ways in which these organizations operate. Like, you know, this is a, this is a tournament or this is a series of games. So this is just fundamentally different than something like adoption. Which is more like how our society has always run in a family structure, and who can who can take on a child to raise it. Like this is just that's just fundamentally a more important question, isn't it, than who can play in this game and this series of games? da da da? So the question here of transgender athletes, it's it's tied up into something like discrimination or even hate or bigotry, which I think is just really silly. So I'll tell you now, like, I can appreciate that somebody might be transgender and athletically inclined. Maybe a maybe a woman uh, loves playing certain games. Let's just say basketball. But maybe this woman identifies as a man. Maybe she has more testosterone uh, naturally. Maybe who knows? I I don't want to get into the the science of of trans identity, but I do think that it's super relevant because we're talking essentially about the phenomenon in the brain of thinking you are a different sex. I'll leave it there for now. I mean, again, this is such a, this is a a tricky topic to fully address, but having listened to doctors speak on this subject, let's just accept that it's tricky and there's a lot of details involved. Be that as it may, a woman wants to play basketball, but she also wants to be a man. Okay, so be a man. That's fine with me. It's fine with everybody, basically. You can go through the gender reassignment. You can get the surgery or not. But in the end, the way that the rules are made, I'm not bothered whether or not Women play in the NBA or if they have their own league. It doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. I like watching basketball at a very high level because of the competitiveness and the skills, you know, the feats of athleticism. That's fun and interesting to me as a spectator, and that's what makes the NBA such a viable commercial success. The WNBA, let's face it, is less successful. It draws much less attention, much less money, and Let's say, just for the sake of being uh, upfront, that it's just a little less entertaining. You know, you see a lot less athletic feats of dominance, like uh, amazing slam dunks, or just some crazy competitive runs, or even, I don't know. Who knows why the WNBA is less successful, but I think we all have an innate sense of why. (laughs) Now, if a woman wants to become a man, she can do that, and then she can try and compete in the NBA, I guess, I mean, this is, again, about skill set, but the reason why we see a difference between so many, the reason why we separate the genders in terms of competition, every single athletic category is essentially split by gender, is because men, biologically speaking, humans with a Y chromosome, perform with their physical bodies at a higher level than women. More strength, more, you know, stamina, more endurance, whatever, you know? There are scientific explanations for this. And in the interest of fairness and fair competition, athletic bodies separate the genders so that women compete against each other because it's more fair that way. If women were competing against men in every category, I don't know how many women victors we would be witnessing. And I don't want you to be confused that I'm like slagging off women here. I love women, but generally speaking, a female tennis player will not fare very well against a male tennis player. So this trans athlete, athlete issue is an issue about competitive fairness. Now, it was innocuous enough with my previous example, but let's switch it. If a biological man identifies as a woman and declares himself as such, should he, now she, be allowed to compete in women's NBA or women's tennis or women's track and field? Well, we're witnessing that. It's especially brutal in the, in the sport of wrestling, MMA wrestling, where XY humans identifying as women are really doing damage to XX humans who are, you know, quotes. I don't know what you want to say. Cis women, I guess, is the least offensive way to put it. But I, I have, I'll have i be honest. I'll show my cards here. I'm just tempted to say real women. And I know that's considered hate speech by some to negate, I don't know what, the existence of a person by saying that they're not a real woman. I think that's a ridiculous, ridiculous um, politicking going on in the world right now where saying that an XY person is not a real woman is somehow considered hateful. It's not hateful, it's just a fact. It's just a scientific fact. I can still offer compassion and acceptance to an XY person who's identifying as a woman, but fundamentally speaking, they have a biological advantage now over every other person in their field. And this is why I'm gonna tick no, that transgender athletes should not be allowed to compete in athletic events but I'll, I'll have to elaborate further. I'm not, I'm not loving the phrasing of that because I do think transgender athletes should be allowed to compete in athletic events, of course. Like, in terms of the right to compete, everyone should be allowed to compete. But the question is how and in what capacity, what grouping. XY people should not be allowed to compete against XX people where a clear advantage exists. That's my main point. But if there was a special category of just male to female trans athletics, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be worthwhile. And an XX person who transitions to identify as a man has no clear advantage per se, maybe in some cases with some sports, but generally speaking, within that group. if they're disadvantaging themselves, so be it. I'm not really bothered if they want to do that. But to go into a different category and compete against XX people is not fair. And if you're going to outlaw doping and performance-enhancing drugs, you have to be consistent and outlaw way higher amounts of testosterone in an XY human being. So. This is my point here. Now we're starting to get slippery, right? Because this is not an LGBT issue. This is an athletics and sports issue. This is not, this has nothing to do with human rights. You have the right to be a human. You have the right to identify as you wish. You have the right to do any surgery to your own body, but you don't have the right to compete in what is essentially breaking rules in order to have an advantage. So, This is what I mean with this whole LGBT concept being a bit flawed. Um, To take an even further step away from that, but to maybe shed light from another angle, should women be allowed... No, I I have to finish this one. Let's look at the elaborations of this transgender athlete question. Yes, but only if their hormone levels are equivalent to those in the gender category in which they compete. Okay, that's much better of an answer than a simple yes, which sounds a little bit activist and idealist. If the hormone levels are enough of an equalizer, then I would, I would consider that. I don't know enough about the topic, but if that's fundamentally the issue, then I am interested in that answer. No, athletes should compete based on the biological sex that is listed on their birth certificate. So that's the other end side of the coin. It's like, let's be as detailed and scientific about this as possible and just focus on how you were born. It ignores cases like hermaphrodites and intersex people. There are abnormalities in nature, and these people also deserve to live fulfilling lives, which might involve sports. I'm not sure what to do about that, but all I'm, my only point is to not give people a clear and unfair advantage in whatever sport. Um, So while I'm ticking no, maybe I should change to yes, but only if their hormone levels are equivalent, because that's kind of where I'm coming from. I want things to be fair for the sake of sport. Okay, now moving on. Should the military allow women to serve in combat roles? So again, this is the same fundamental principle to me. I This is an issue of military rights or combat rights. I think everybody should have the right to serve in combat. I don't think it's a sexist thing to say that women shouldn't. I think it's perhaps acknowledging that, by and large, women are less qualified. But if a woman is equally qualified, for instance, I'll give you an example. I've never, you know, gone through basic training or anything like that, but... You know what, I probably at my point at my stage in life, in my thirties, not going to the gym, not really working out, I would not pass basic training as I am. And plenty of women are stronger than me. So they're more qualified than I am. And insofar as they're more qualified, they should be allowed. But it should all be all about the qualifications for this work. It should not be about your identity. And this is where I'm confused again, that things come down to identity in our cultural discourse when identity has nothing to do with it. If you can jump and reach the top of that wall and pull yourself over while holding a bunch of equipment and then help your fellow soldiers over the wall, serve in combat roles. You know what I mean? Like, if you can do that, do it. If you can't do it, no, you fail. The problem we're seeing, I think, is that these kind of standards are being relaxed based on identity so let's say you have to be able to do i don't know 100 push-ups to serve in combat oh but you're a woman so you only have to do 25 push-ups see that's changing the goal posts right moving the goalposts, and i don't like that if the standard is to do 100 push-ups in order to serve in combat that's probably there for a reason you have to probably have a certain amount of strength and you know, durability or whatever to serve in combat. And if you can't do it, you're going to be a liability to your fellow soldiers and to the mission, right? I don't want to see those uh, those standards compromised for the sake of identity. That's the point, you know, not all men can serve in combat roles. You have to be a certain height, you have to have a certain IQ, you have to have a certain fitness of mind as well like there are all sorts of things that you have to qualify for but i'll say this if women can qualify for those things of course they should be allowed they should not be discriminated against based on their gender they should be discriminated against based on their skill everyone should be discriminated against based on their skill that's the point here so the uh, this is a tricky yes no one so let's look, again look at the nuances Yes, as long as they can pass the same physical test as men. Right, so I'll take that one. Yes, preventing women from serving in combat roles is discriminatory. Now, on the face of it, I think that sounds true, but I think I've proven that it's not. No, women are not as physically capable as men for combat. So that's taking this general premise, which is probably true, that women are not as physically capable, and it's applying this totally uh, overarching rule to it, which I also don't think is fair. But I do think it's probably worked throughout history, generally speaking. I'm happy to question it, though. It's, a, it's an experiment worth trying, isn't it? That if some women want to fight in military combat, God knows why, I mean, I definitely don't want to, then they should be allowed to, so long as they're physically fit enough. Um, this final one. No, men are more likely to risk the success of a mission in order to protect a woman from danger. <laughs> That's funny and maybe true here and there i don't know but there is this level of chivalry or you know gender politics involved if a woman is suddenly in your platoon maybe you're deferring to her or you know watching her back more than someone else i don't know i don't know i think that's a bit you know conjecture so definitely not worth exploring that one okay and finally on this topic, should gender identity be added to anti-discrimination laws? So this is the hardest one. I don't like discrimination based on identity. I don't like that some people have an unfair go of life because of systems that are unfair that said, I recognize that life is unfair. All systems have un- inequality built into them, unfortunately. Some things are just luck, right? Some things are just the way you're, you know, the, the virtues you're born with versus the, um, the difficulties you're born with. It's very hard to parse out what discrimination actually is in many cases. And like I've already said, Discrimination must be present regarding some things like merit and ability. We must discriminate based on those things if we're going to prosper as a society. And that's what we try and do, right? We try and give the best the, the best person the job. We try and find the best fit for every position. Now, if we look at something like gender identity, my inclination here is that it should be added to anti-discrimination laws because, again, you should not be denied work simply because you identify as a different gender. I mean, I don't care what gender you identify with. But it's not as simple as that because there's way too much political angling in this. And what I mean by that is a fight for power. And this whole Marxist rhetoric of, you know, equality and being denied your existence or your life for some or something like this because you know you're misgendered or dead named when someone calls you the name you used to have and then you changed it to an opposite gender name or whatever like all this stuff is like serious politicking that I despise like don't make up a whole new ground rules of conversation and try and flip the script on, on us like this is not I'm not buying that. I can take every person at face value and listen to their arguments. If you're presenting yourself to me as a woman, I'll accept you as a woman. I don't care what's between your legs. I don't even care if you're a woman or not. If you're presenting yourself to me, for instance, in politics, I care about what your positions are. If you're presenting yourself to me as an athlete, I care about how, you know, how your jump shot is. If you're presenting yourself to me as a musician, I care about how well you can play your instrument. If you're presenting yourself to me as a customer, I care about how you conduct yourself as a customer, you know, ordering properly, paying with money, not causing mischief to my other customers. So I I have a hard time appreciating where discrimination even comes in. In the past, of course, like, the United States of America had discrimination laws cooked into it. So, you know, black people were denied service here and there. They were denied basic rights, like voting rights, three-fifths of a person, so their vote counted less. This kind of stuff was real, and it uh, it was targeting groups. It was targeting black people. That's racism. That's structural racism. And that's, you know, individual racism when... A white person would give foul language and disrespect to a black person based on their blackness. That's wrong. Nowadays, we have way, 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 way less of that. In my opinion, we have almost none of that. Of course, there are some examples of it still, but and I might even have some myself. But. Generally speaking, we don't live in a discriminating society anymore. We live in a very tolerant and accepting society, definitely in America, most places, most big cities, all big cities, definitely in Western Europe. But of course, there are still issues. That's what we're trying to hammer out. And so the question is, is gender identity one of those issues? Are people being hated and denied services or opportunities because they identify a certain way? That's the question, and when they are, I mean, I'm saying that that's wrong, but what if they are exhibiting a mental unfitness? What if they're ex- exhibiting something like a mental illness, which gender dysmorphia technically is, and I'm saying that with compassion, having mental health issues myself, I'm on medication for mental health, you know, I need to prove that I'm able to do things. Sometimes I don't. And when I don't, I don't get the work. So mental illness is a reality and we have to have compassion for that. We need to, you know, put work in and love in and money into systems to address mental health. So I don't want hate mail about me describing body dysmorphia as a mental health issue, because it might very well be. But let's say that it's not. Let's say that it's merely um, a social presentational issue, right? Like there are jobs for which you have to present yourself a certain way. The New York Yankees—you ha- you're not allowed to have long hair or facial hair. That's a baseball team. Uh, Hooters—you have to have—you have to be a female of a certain type. You know, is that discriminatory against men or other women of not a certain type? Maybe, but I think it probably. Is appropriate given the work, you know? Nobel Prizes are given to scientists. You can't really win a Nobel Prize unless you're a scientist. So I'm a little confused where this really comes into play. If somebody's getting fired because of their conduct, it doesn't really matter their identity. And I'm not really aware of cases in which people are getting fired because of their identity. I'm not aware of gender identity issues where this is actually a problem. I have not heard of any stories here in which gender identity discrimination is a problem. I've seen no evidence for this. And I, that could be my own blindness. I could just be ignorant here. That's totally possible, but I've heard of zero cases and I'm sorry, maybe I'm missing something in which a trans person is being discriminated against. And I say that knowing full well that suicide rates are much higher in the trans community, that if you're growing up with such an identity crisis, I mean, growing up is hard enough already. If you're growing up with the crisis of identity, you're more likely to commit suicide. It's a sad truth. What can society do for you? What is my role? What is my responsibility as a citizen to you? I don't know, maybe I should pay a little more taxes for your mental health, maybe, right? Maybe I should, I don't know. Right now, what I'm feeling is that I'm told I'm just not allowed to say anything disagreeable. I'm not allowed to opine that maybe this is a mental problem even. I'm not allowed to, you know, be outraged by your outrageous presentation, right? Because some people present themselves outrageously I did as a teenager, as a punk, dyeing my hair all sorts of colors and spiking it and wearing crazy, you know, outfits from thrift shops. This was like an outrageous presentation of my attitude and it disqualified me from office jobs, for instance, right? So there are limits to what is your identity and what is your actual competency and what is your actual behavior in the world And this is where I think it gets a little messy. And this is why I'm not so keen to tick, yes, gender identity should be added to anti-discrimination laws, because I think it could go too far. I think it could be used as a cudgel against, let's say this heteronormative society or this patriarchy, you know? I don't think there's as much evidence or reason for this fight as we're being made to believe. Let's read these other stances. Yes, add it, and the government should do more to protect minorities from discrimination. Okay, it's an activist answer. No, and repeal anti-discrimination laws for private companies. Okay, that's a libertarian answer. No, there are only two genders which are genetically not psychologically determined. Okay, that's a scientific answer. No, we should address gender identity as a mental health issue and provide funds for more research and care. I see that as the most humanist, well-rounded answer, personally, and that's what I'm gonna tick. But I do wanna say that I'm open-minded to this topic. I I listen a lot to all sides of this discussion. I am sympathetic to people that have a hard go in life. You know, I've definitely had my own troubles and I can appreciate that people have it worse than me. And it's not fair. It's not fair that some people have it so so bad, but we can't simply institute a total fair life for everybody. We can level the playing field as much as possible. We can demand equal access and opportunity into all institutions. And that should be our goal. So I qualify my answers here that It could go either way on a lot of these questions, depending on how they're worded. When there is discrimination based on identity, I think it's wrong. When identity is being used as a weapon to fight for power, I think that's wrong. And right now, that's what I'm seeing happening. This is what makes me a bit more right-wing in quotes. And I think it's absurd to call me right-wing based on that because my values aren't conservative whatsoever. I just think that we have to stand for some logic and some stability in our institutions. But we should make those institutions as fair as we can. All right, guys, those are five questions loosely connected through this theme of identity rights, which again, I don't really believe in. I believe in the right to do specific things in life the right to get a job, no matter your identity, the right to adopt, no matter your identity, the right to play sports, no matter your identity, but not to have special rights, not to have advantages within a system that's in place. All for now, everyone, until next time.